0: Recruitment, culture, and employer branding are the keys to finding supply chain talent. Join Michelle DeVivo in this month's Woman in Supply Chain episode that released last week. Go to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 62. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. So welcome back to the show, Graham.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Yeah, always happy to have you on the show because you have such a unique perspective on the industry. So let's get right into the topic today. Why don't you tell us or actually before we get into the topic, I want to know what's been happening at Border Buddy since we last spoke. So what have you guys been up to?
1: Well, we have sort of a final countdown now. We're we're moving at the end of this month, so we're spinning the business out of the building, and that's actually happening at the end of this month. And uh, we're really excited about that, to get the team all in one roof, under one roof, in one one office. So that's, that's the main thing that we're working on and tracking towards right now, and just separating all of our systems and uh, getting them all standing on their own.
0: Awesome. Are you going to be posting some pictures on LinkedIn about what the new space looks like?
1: Definitely. Yeah, we've branded it nicely. And yeah, we'll we'll, we'll be doing that.
0: Yeah, because I'd really like to see what it looks like. like. I already like your motivational wall that you've posted before. So it would be great to see what the, what the next space. Is there going to be a lot of orange? Because I know orange is in your logo.
1: It's going to be a lot of orange. Yeah, good call. <laughs> they're, they're this, the chairs are orange. The walls are orange. It's going to be fun.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. You want
1: to own the orange. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's good. Okay, well, let's start. Let's get into the topic today. Let's talk about something that's right up your alley. And it's something that I have been talking about all week, which is tariffs. You know, there's so many rules and regulations, then I could only imagine, you know, what People, most people go through, what most supply chain professionals go through, companies go through. Most people and companies probably have them wrong. So how can companies self-audit and find savings when it comes to tariffs?
1: Great question. Uh, we love this question because we, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to make things simple for our customers. It's a very sort of technical and complicated industry. But at, at a very high level, we, we like to work from the, the entry, the customs entry, and sort of work backwards. Like, what are we submitting to customs? Am I paying duty? You know, am I paying duty? If so, why? But there's also, also a flip side to that. If I'm not paying duty, am I confident that I have the right tariff classification? So some people spend a lot of time thinking about driving costs down and driving savings down to reduce duty, which is smart. But at the same time, there can be issues where you have a classification change or a country of origin issue, and if you have the wrong tariff, it could be declared as duty-free, but then if there's an origin change, it could have duty. So we, we look at it both ends of the spectrum, you know, really, what, what am I paying duty on, what am I not paying duty on, and am I confident in that? And getting confident is probably the most important piece, is am I really confident in my tariff database?
0: Well, yeah, I would think so. And when tariffs change, like we've been talking about USMCA and the U.S.-Chinese tariffs and the U.S.-Canada tariffs, when they change, they're immediate, and it almost seems like everybody has to go to work overnight.
1: Right. It's it, it's it's a massive undertaking when when tariffs change because you know there's ten digits in a tariff and there's check digits, so the force. First, sorry, the first four are the same, and then there's six check digits. And a small change in that item can change the check digits, which can affect duty or, you know, paying out or not. So, yeah, it's very technical, and a change from the government uh, that comes down, there's a lot of, uh, sc- I wouldn't call it scrambling, but there's a lot of scurrying happening to make sure that we're, that all the tariffs are updated and that new rates are applicable so it's yeah, it's quite complicated, but it's um, you know it's kind of what what we signed up for.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, why don't we talk about why we actually need them? Um, and this is going to get interesting because I just posted this question. Well, this episode is going to come out in about three weeks, but this week that we're actually doing the taping of this episode, I posted a question. In the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn group, I did it on my personal page, talking about like, why do we really, what do you th- really think about tariffs? Are they necessary? Why? Why do we have why them? Why do we have them?
1: The, you know, they go back, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, of course, you know, tariffs at, a, at the very base level, the thing that we teach our people is, you know, they were there to regulate trade and really encourage manufacturing in your own country. So you know, you could import a lot of items, but what about the domestic activity, you know, in your own country? So tariffs go way, way back to regulate that and to make it more costly to import items than it would be to manufacture them. Now that's very, very foundational. That's not always what it is today. As as you know, there's politics there's there's influence there's lobbying there's a whole bunch of other things happening to affect tariffs, but at a very base level, they were brought in to regulate trade and encourage manufacturing in your in your own country
0: right well, some of the people that responded to this question um, I would actually say most of them said that there are a lot of existing tariffs that are pretty illogical and could use improvement. So most of them agreed that we needed tariffs um, for several different reasons. I think there was only maybe one or two that said, no, we absolutely do not because um, in my post, it was sort of said that, you know, some believe that tariffs impede global trade or free global trade. Um, But most people, from what I understand, believe that we need tariffs, but that they just need some improvement. Because I guess they've been the same for a very long time. And um, it needs to be more fair, I think is what they're saying. What do you think about that?
1: I, I think it's gotten so complicated because of the various industries you know, want or don't want tariffs depending on which side of the border they really are on. You could call it which side of the fence, but in our case, it's the border. So, you know, if you're manufacturing something in Canada and you are competing with another country that might make, might be able to make it cheaper, do you want low tariffs or do you want high tariffs? (laughs) And so the people in in Canada, for example, I think they would want high tariffs so that it will be more costly than to buy their product and people that are exporting to the country want low tariffs. So there's always this battle back and forth about, you know, why you would want or not want tariffs. But I think at the end of the day, I'm I'm not necessarily passing judgment on this because I'm not importing or exporting, but I would think that most people would say that people that are importing don't want big tariffs or you know, importing or exporting, you know, their goods are. They don't want a- extra costs added to their products, but then people who are manufacturing don't want those items coming in for extremely, you know, extremely low low costs.
0: Right, and impeding com- competition. Well, Andy Polk from uh, FDRA, he actually said it's an easy answer for shoes. Three billion dollars in tariffs means that we cannot add more tech and innovations, or hire more workers in our supply chains.
1: Right. So, yeah, the the tariffs. You know, the the interesting part now with with political issues is, you know, the things that they're classifying, uh, or adding. Sorry, not classifying, but that they're adding new tariffs to. And I think everyone knows this. I'm stating the obvious, but they're they're actually attacking. Areas of the country, areas of certain states that vote for the person in power that is making decisions. So they try to hurt the states that support that person, mm-hmm. so that you know it's not specifically to do with trade anymore. It's to do with political influence. So no, but
0: let's let's think about it, right? Like clothing, I don't I don't know what shoes is, but I believe I remember clothing was eighteen percent or is eighteen percent.
1: Yeah, I can get up there 18% for sure.
0: Yeah, like let's get honest. Most of the manufacturing for clothing is done overseas now. I mean, do we really see that here in North America? And why does it need to be 18%? If that's the case. Do you know what I mean?
1: Exactly. Yeah, and the question is who who care, you know, who who cares about that the most? You know, it's going to be a manufacturer in Canada or the US cares about that being 18% the most. So, mm-hmm. you know, and the your point is great because, you know, I, I remember reading this story about Levi's, actually. So Levi's jeans at one point, and, do, you know, don't quote me on this, but the, they had something like three to 4,000 people that were sewing jeans in the United States. And that number is probably zero today. So mm-hmm. why is that? And, you know, it's just cost of manufacturing even with those,
0: Even with it, yeah. With
1: the rates is still low.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, and I I agree with a lot of these comments about, you know, taking a look at the tariffs that have been in place for a long time and making some improvements. For example, that clothing. I mean, at the time that it was probably implemented at 18%, we had a lot of manufacturing here for clothing. And now times have changed. Things need to be taken a look at and maybe the percentage brought down.
1: Yeah, and and there's some interesting correlations between high tariffs because, as you know, there's ebb and flow throughout the years. There's actually a, some interesting data that I've been reading recently that, that correlates high tariffs with great economic conditions. So they're saying that when tariffs are high, economies are good. And it's, it's kind of a fascinating study, and I know you can play with data, but the, the, uh, the, the, the information that I've been reading really points to certain economies over the years that have done well with high tariffs. So it's, it's, it's really interesting the effect it has or doesn't have on, on trade and, and the economy overall.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. But again, for North America, since we've had it that high for so long and things have sort of changed along the lines, I just wonder if it's still kind of necessary. But why don't we get into talking about importers again? Um, what are the biggest mistakes importers make with their tariff database?
1: You know, I think one. I think one of the issues is that they don't know that they have one. You know, they they they're yeah, not.
0: That's a very good point. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that is a very good point.
1: Yeah. So so you know, as as customs brokers, we classify every single item for our customers, and we we you know, every everyone's a little bit different, but we classify that right to the SKU level and right to the supplier level, and so we have a massive amount of information on. Their SKUs and their tariff items per SKU and therefore duty rates and tax rates per SKU. So I think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, they, they own the database essentially because they paid for the, the classification of it and it, it's, it's their asset in a sense, but it's also their liability. So they, they need to know that it's accurate, that their information is being classified correctly each and every time.
0: Right. So their biggest mistake is that they don't actually realize that they have one and that they could, they could get it from their customs broker.
1: Right. And that should be linked up with their main database and their ERP system to make sure that if they do any classification that it's correct and that it's synced, it's synced correctly with the products that they have in their system.
0: But what about for um, maybe SMEs, right, small to midsize that don't really have that luxury, that might not have the technology to bring that in? What would you suggest they do?
1: I think, you know, smaller importers, It's it's almost – it's a bit easier with smaller importers because they, they might have fewer suppliers. They might have the less complexity in their supplier, you know, the makeup of their suppliers and, you know, fewer countries. Mm-hmm. I really think going back to one of the earlier questions is really understanding, you know, talking with your service provider. And, and understanding why am I paying duty or why am I not? And are there any gray area items? And, and what I mean by that is, do you have products that are made up from multiple countries? Are they multiple of, as, countries of origin? Are you very confident that it's a hundred percent NAFTA and talking right. about clothing, you know, clothing is extremely complicated. The yarn and can be, you know, grown on a farm in Thailand and and it's, made in china and then exported to the u.s and then as as you know from this industry you can end up with that shipment saying that the country of origin is united states because it was shipped from california but you know (laughs) there's a lot more complexity so understanding the complexity of your products the more complex they are the more nafta or sorry not just nafta but rules of origin issues come up and you really need to be confident that your products are being classified correctly
0: yeah and if it's brought into North America and maybe changed in some way, or I think it's what like fifty one percent of it is is changed potentially, then the the origin does change and it affects your duty rate. There's so many different things that you know go through it, but I like your suggestion of sitting down with a your customs broker, going through it all and asking where the gray area is where the gray areas are, and also going through it. And if the tariffs have been suggested by the customs broker, digging deeper and finding out why and having those discussions, because you might actually find that there's going to be some savings there, right? Because the customs broker is only good or as good as what they know. And you know maybe there's some other points to that particular order, that particular shipment that you know that your customs broker may not.
1: Exactly, and 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 that's one of the you know one of the first things we do when we onboard a new customer is we get their database and then we audit it and we
0: yeah
1: we 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 obviously start with the the things that they're paying duty on first to say okay why are you paying duty and is is the tariff classif- classification correct? Can it be cl- classified under another? tariff item that doesn't have duty because it qualifies and then get a ruling to determine that it actually does qualify. So you're not guessing, you know, you don't want to just be flipping over to a new tariff because it has lower duty. You have to be very confident in that and you have to, you know, go for a customs ruling that customs agrees with this, this tariff classification. And then on, on the flip side, you know, if you aren't paying duty or importing a large, a large volume or large dollar value, You know, is there any risk that you, that might have multiple countries of origin that you weren't aware of? So those, those, there's sort of like a three-step process and you continually work on that database and and continually work on, on the tariff classifications to make sure that they're accurate.
0: Yeah. And be uh, intentional about getting involved, right? I think that's kind of the key message here is, um, to really get involved. I know it takes time. And for SMEs in particular, they might not necessarily have the time, but it makes a lot of sense. And it's really important to your business. The other thing that came up for me when um, I was doing sales was the uh, terms of sale. So if the terms of sale are FOB, They might include the FOB charges on the commercial invoice. And so I, this is kind of off topic a little bit, but you want to make sure that your customs broker isn't including that in your cost of goods, right? Because then you could be uh, charged, you could be charged GST and duties on that.
1: Exactly. And, you know, I, I'm not going to profess to be an expert in all of the valuation issues, but you're absolutely right. That's, that's one of the things that's, that's super important is it's freight, it's discounts, it's currency of settlement, it's payment terms to all determine not just your tariff, but is the value that you're using is, is, is it correct for duty? You know, yeah. that could make a huge difference in your payout if you're supposed to include or exclude freight or take a discount or not take a discount.
0: Yeah, because um, it could, it just could mean so much to your business, right? You really want to get involved in something like that and in your supply chain and just make sure that what's happening is right for the business and um, that you're paying the right duties, the right taxes, that kind of thing. So then I want to ask you every you know every company works with a customs broker. You have to have a customs broker to import the goods. They're the ones with the license, and that is another topic I know that you want to talk about maybe one of these days. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what should a company's expectations be of working with a customs broker? because you know sometimes you rely on them as a consultant, sometimes maybe too much. <laughs> so I think it's probably a good idea to put it out there as to you know what your expectations are that of working with a customer because sometimes it can get skewed
1: I agree the the thing that we like to say overarching is you know we really want to treat their business as our business it might sound a little cliche but if this was our business what would we be doing for them and we have as all customs brokers do you have customers of all shapes and sizes so you 've got somebody that has one shipment a week, and then you have someone that has four hundred and fifty shipments a week and the difference in those types of customers are are in their the way they look at this is quite different. Some of our largest customers they have customs brokers on staff that tell us what they want us to classify the goods as, and we then have a debate or a discussion on whether it's correct or go for rulings et cetera mm-hmm. and then we have the other end of the gamut where they are basically they're saying, you know, I know I pay some duty. I don't really like it. I don't know why I'm paying it. Can you help me? You know, I just, you know, or or they say, you know, this this product is actually quite complicated. I'm not sure that it qualifies for NAFTA or not. Uh, can you help us with that? So basically, I think their expe- expectation should be they have to do some self-advocating, but they also mm-hmm. should really be looking for someone that is, is, you know, proactive about offering them up audits and offering up reviews of their tariff because mm-hmm. it's it's an important piece. It's 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 probably the most important piece uh, because there, there's so much room for interpretation in the tariff.
0: But pay for that service, right? Not really expect it just as being part of the service.
1: Yeah, I think it depends, you know, we, uh, every and every broker is different. Our, our largest customers, you know, they they tell us they don't want to be nickel and dime, they're paying us per entry and things like that, so we don't do a lot of extra extra cost for that. But somebody that has a project, you know, we have somebody just recently that needs 10,000 items classified. So, of course, we're going to, be, that we're going a to while. be we're going to <laughs> be working on a consulting project for that.
0: But let's just be honest with that one. You know, how long does it take to go through you know ten thousand tariffs,
1: yeah, even if you could do one a minute, right
0: yeah exactly.
1: <laughs> the the good, the good news is that a lot in a lot of these cases, the tariffs are quite similar
0: mm-hmm.
1: because they but they have a lot of different skews, so there could be a different skew for fifteen different colors of, of an item by this exact same tariff, right, so there 's a lot of uh, pre work that has to be done to to classify those as similar goods from the get-go.
0: Yeah, it can't just be done overnight.
1: No, no, that (laughs) takes a long time.
0: Well, sometimes, you know, there are, I've had it where, you know, people have expected it overnight or in two days or or something like that. And, you know, it's, everybody needs to know you know, that these kind of things take time, especially to get them right. And that brings me to my next point, you know, what is the responsibility of the importer? Because a lot of times this gets overlooked, right? I have a customs broker, they're on board, they have my back, they're going through my tariff. But when it comes down to penalties or different things that, you know, the customs comes down with, it ultimately is the responsibility of the of the importer. Importer, not everybody realizes that.
1: That's correct, and and so there's pros and cons of that, right? So if you're an importer, you've signed a power of attorney that that allows your broker to act on your behalf. So they are only acting on your behalf; they are not acting uh, independently. So anything that a broker submits for your company is your responsibility. So if I if if our company misclassifies something the importer gets the fine and the penalty. Uh, Now, you could talk about there's, you know, there's personal or there's issues between us and our customer when that happens, but you're absolutely right. We're acting on their behalf, just similar to an accountant. You know, you submit your month-end statements to them and they help, you know, do your tax return or whatever it might be, but they're only acting with the data that they have in front of them. So, uh, you know, importers do need to know that, It's actually, they are the importer of record, and the importer of record is the one who is on record with accuracy, fines, penalties, anything like that. And some people don't know that. They just think, well, it's the broker, and if it's the broker's fault, you know, if there's an issue, then the broker will deal with it. But anyone that's had fines or penalties know that comes directly to the importer.
0: And that is a very, very big surprise when it happens.
1: (laughs) It can be, for sure. (laughs) We, of course, so, don't see that often. <laughs>
0: no, but I think before we did, right, when people really didn't get that involved in this side of the business, I think we saw a lot of that, especially when customs started implementing penalties and, and things like that. So we might not see it as much. I think enterprise companies have come become really good with it, but it's also an overwhelming thing for SMEs. And so just for them to know and know that this kind of, you know, big surprise could come down the pipeline if you're not aware of what your responsibilities are is extremely, extremely important. So that kind of brings me to the next question. And maybe this is more geared towards those SMEs. What would be the most important thing importers can do today to get a handle on those costs and compliance, et cetera?
1: I think they really just need to start asking why, you know why, why am I paying duty? and why am I not paying duty? So I, I think that's just again, we try to simplify it. and some you know you can say this is over oversimplification, but we really just you start asking why, okay, why am I paying duty? Can you tell me more about that? Why am I paying this? You know, is there another way? And then on the flip side, okay, I'm importing three, five, ten million dollars worth of product and I'm not paying any duty. But I, I might have foreign components in here, so can we make sure that that I'm not um, you know outside of compliance? so I think that should be question quite often, and I think the other thing is is that when you are importing large volumes and large value of products, getting a customs ruling is is sort of a basic you know a basic basic thing you can do to protect yourself is you really want to make sure that that you're super confident in that tariff when you're importing large values of it so if you're importing a you know $500 a year worth of something you know the chances of that being incorrect or even audited or or having an issue is really low and customs quite frankly they know that they have millions of shipments a year crossing the border they can't audit all the shipments that come across so they have to focus on High risk, high value, high uh, tariff, you know, items that would have a high tariff classification or high duty payout. They have to focus on the highest risk items. And that's what I think that's what every importer should be aligning with is making sure that they're aligned with what customs is looking for.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So that brings us to the end, but I want to know from you, you know, what's next for Border Buddy? What are you working on right now that we can expect to hear from you in the next episode?
1: We are just continually looking to remove friction, you know, remove obstacles for our customers. We just want to you know, it's kind of a tough thing to admit, but our job is really a negative job. Our customers don't really want to have to deal with us. And once you own that and admit it and understand that that's your purpose is to get out of your customers' way, we spend a lot of time thinking about okay, how can we reduce paperwork? How can we do reduce complexity? How can we simplify their pricing? How can we streamline things for them so that they don't have to contact us if they don't want to. And you know, we talk about Amazon a lot here, but you know, that that's just sort of the the aspirational side of it, you know, you, you, most people that you talk to have been dealing with Amazon for five, 10, 15 years, whatever it is, and have never ever talked to them, but are extremely happy that they've never talked to them. Right. So, you, you know, that, that's kind of what we look at all the time is, okay, why did that customer call? We love our customers, but why did they call? How could we have been more proactive? So we spend a lot of time thinking and talking about that and just trying to continually squeeze out inefficiencies. So, That's very sort of high level, but it, it, if you look at that lens, look through that lens on everything that you're doing, it gets, it actually gets really fun because our people start looking for better and better ways to do things.
0: Yeah. And you get them to start thinking outside of the box. And I love that. You know, why did they call? You know, we really like talking to you, but why did you call us and how can we fix it? So maybe the next time you don't need to call us. And I think that there's a lot of companies, not only in supply chain, but in other industries that should learn from that. So in this episode, Graham has spoken about Talking to your customs broker, being intentional about getting involved in your tariffs and asking why. Why are you paying duties? Is there a gray area that you can take a look at and get your costs down? You know, take a look at that bottom line, work with your Providers work with your customs brokers and make sure that your ta- your tariff database is in line with what you're doing and um, your business. If you would like some more information about Graham or Border Buddy or this episode, go to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode sixty three. Plus, you can go to borderbuddy.com forward slash letstalksupplychain and you will get Per, you will get a discount off your first purchase with Border Buddy. Thank you so much for Graham to, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been a great discussion about tariffs.
1: Yeah, it was fun. Thank you.
0: If you liked this episode, make sure to check out the other episodes with Graham under podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com. And coming up next week, Craig, the CEO of FreightWaves is here he's talking about his journey, what made him start freight waves, what they're doing in the industry. We're also talking about blockchain and why he started beta. So make sure to tune into that episode. That is one you won't want to miss. Remember to subscribe on YouTube to the SC supply chain TV to catch up on all of the projects, the videos that I'm working on. And uh, if you want to support the show, make sure you go to letstalksupplychain.com. Check out my supply chain dictionary, which is 107 pages full of acronyms and definitions that you're going to need to wade your way through supply chain. Next, rate and review the show. I will feature your review on an upcoming episode. Plus, we want other people to join our community. So that's the only way that they're going to find us in the podcast apps. Next, go to ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z dot We are full into development. And you're going to be one of the first people to know what we are working on. So fill in your information so we can do that. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you, everybody, so much for enjoying the show, for joining me on this show, and remember, everybody, ship happens.